Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show The Umbrella Academy. Today we'll be covering the third episode from Netflix TV series The Umbrella Company titled Extraordinary, and we'll also be covering the fourth episode titled Man on the Moon. Bonus! Yeah. Yeah, this, this week we're covering two, so again, if you have not watched both episodes three and four, this is your warning. Turn around now. Go watch that other one. And I apologize if I start to get a little bit hairy, so I'm kind of <laughs> under the weather. And Rima found the shot, and she gave it to me. Like, all of a sudden, I've gained, like, so much muscle, but with it, body hair. It's weird. Yeah. I've never um, had chest hair in my whole life. Now I've got chest hair, so I'm super excited. Well, you got the beard going That's on. That's true. You got the Luther beard when he woke <laughs> up with the beard. So, and you're wearing a high neck shirt there. So yeah, are you covering gotta, up all the hair? hide it. It's <laughs> great. That's awesome. Well, I'm super excited to talk or talk about these um, two episodes. So with that, we'll go ahead and jump into our top five. I'll go ahead and give it a kick off this week because I'm feeling froggy. Um, my number five, I want to start off talking about Grace or mom, as they call her. Um, I, you know, they, they, so we finally get to see what was on that video and see that, you know, she just kind of stands there as uh Professor, doctor, what do they call him? Dad, Hargreaves, um, is having this heart attack in his bed. And she's just kind of almost creepy, right? She's kind of yeah. just standing there in the doorway and just like, oh, you're having a heart attack. Good luck with that. And, you know, <laughs> turns around and walks away. Um, you know, she doesn't tell anyone. Um, we know the kids aren't there, but like Pogo is around. Yeah. And she doesn't call 911. She doesn't attempt to help him. So it's kind of interesting to see how she's kind of, you know, uh, the state that she's in and how she's kind of, I guess, either malfunctioning or maybe did someone mess with her programming? Is she just deteriorating? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what kind of maintenance that she needed um, because, I mean, Hargreaves was, I mean, the kids were there right after he died. So I'm guessing he was keeping her maintained on a regular basis. She shouldn't have been, you know, all of a sudden declining. So I'm curious if maybe somebody's messed with her or if it's just a part of her, I don't know, malfunctioning. Um, but I thought, you know, is even though she was like a robot, you know, I kind of believed a little bit of what Diego was talking about, how like she did seem to have, like she was kind of adaptable. Did yeah. you kind of pick up on that where <clears throat> she, you know, yes, she was a robot. She kind of just smiled and, you know, had her hair all perfect. She looked like one of those 1950s, uh, you know, moms with the, those real beautiful dresses, how moms done themselves up in those beautiful dresses and had their hair and makeup done every day and. Kind of the leave it to beaver mom, like you think the stereotypical, yeah. you know, 50s, you know, com- or not, it's not really comedy, it's what would you call those back in the day, sitcom mom kind of thing. Ex- exactly, that's what she reminds me of. But you could see how, you know, she, you know, even though she was like a robot, like when the kids were all, you know, being called to action and she's trying to get them all rounded up, she's walking down the hall, kind of stopping at their rooms. And, you know, when she got to Diego, and this is how you kind of have this really sweet moment between them two, and you have... You know, you can kind of see, you know, that relationship and how she is kind of adaptable. You know, she's not just this robot that, you know, is just um, 
with no feelings or emotions because she stops outside of Diego's room when she hears him having trouble with his he we find out he had a stuttering mm-hmm. problem and you can see how you know she pauses before she gets to his door and she just has this like little look on her face like oh you know poor well, that, poor sweet Diego you know that was such a motherly thing like whenever you yeah you know anybody you kind of care for whenever they they're going through something they're struggling like be it you know spelling or a math problem or anything you kind of you don't want to jump right in and help them you kind of sit there like okay please get it please get it please get it yeah right like oh okay let me jump in and help you know they're struggling enough I want to you know I want to help them but you also want to allow them to succeed on their own too exactly and I love that moment like that's so this is my number three so we'll kind of tie into a little bit mine's mine's just mom but that whole scene when they're getting ready for that mission like that reminded me of like a mom with like six I guess there's more than six kids in this but you know a bunch of kids getting ready for school yeah she's you know she's got to get their you know their pencils their backpacks it's like (laughs) where's my lunch instead of where's my lunch it's like where's my knives yep stuck zippers and all that good stuff yeah Yeah. and you got the one kid who's crazy who's setting fire to stuff klaus (laughs) which is you know even at a young age klaus is you know the rebel crazy he is yeah uh but yeah that moment with diego really touched me because i i kind of see some parallels to the ninja turtles in this Oh, where yeah. uh, Luther's kind of the Leonardo, he's kind of the the do gooder, and and Diego's kind of the Raphael, which is kind of got the the hard outer shell, but on the inside he's real mushy and just kind of is, is looking for appreciation to an extent, mm-hmm. and looking for that motherly figure. Which you see Diego here, like everything he's done, you know, he took the monocle, which I still kind of feel like maybe he took took that as kind of a, you know, I want this as a remembrance thing, mm-hmm. and even then he was the one that killed. I guess uh, I would say killed uh, their mom. You know, he disconnected her because he realized something was wrong with her. Yeah. Which, I mean, you could, I mean, you, you look at that, it's like, well, that, that's not really killing, but you know, you think of, you know, like, it, you know, if you humanize her, like it could be somebody who has like dementia or some kind of like um, a lethal disease or something along those lines. Like and, a you know, progressive, like she's only going to get worse. Yeah, yeah. It's something. like, yeah. you know, you're sitting there and the doctor's like, okay, well, it's not going to get any worse. She's not going to pull out. Like, what do mm-hmm. you want to do? Like, we can leave her on life support. And it's kind of like, all right, let's just let nature take its course. And that's what he did here. He pulled the plug. I, I like that you made that um, analogy because it, it, it to me was a little bit like what I haven't had to deal with it personally. I have had... Um, people in my family with the with dementia so i have had like a, a taste of it it's terrible it's terrible disease i oh, think we've yeah. talked about dementia and alzheimer's here on the podcast before um it's it's a terrible thing anytime someone has to deal with it because it's it's so sad to see a loved one decline like that um but it's kind of like uh what i would imagine having a parent with dementia would be like i mean she was you know kind of out of it when they're asking her you know luther and allison are asking her you know what do you remember about the day the dad died and she starts running off the, the what they had for dinner and what the weather was like and when they're like well no but were you angry with dad ever and she just kind of turns around and goes back and then you know diego finds her well and then whenever um cha-cha and hazel are like blasting the place with machine guns she's just upstairs in her normal spot you know <coughs> and that's like kind of out of like character because we find out that Hargreaves not only um, built her to be uh, like a caretaker, like he built her basically to be the the kids' mom because they needed someone. He was such an ass, you know, yeah. I mean, he was so cold and heartless. He, he, you know, kind of made her, I, I, and I don't know. I think that was a good thing that Vanya brought up. Did he program her that way? 
you know, or, or whatever, but, um, you know, she's, that she's supposed to be like a protector as well. Yeah. Like there's danger. She's supposed to be, you know, in a protective role. And as there's gunfire going on, she's just completely oblivious to it. And then they, uh, you know, Diego finds her later. She's like sewing when she's cross stitching and yeah. she's going right into her skin. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the it's thing terrible. you said, like, she's programmed to protect it. Like you said, during that whole scene, she's just sitting there oblivious. Mm-hmm. And she really was programmed to protect when, when dad was going through his thing. You'd think that she would jump in and help him, but she didn't. Exactly. Exactly. So, but, so I think it seemed like she was declining even then. But did somebody, you know, I just wondered, did somebody get to her? Or was she just somehow malfunctioning? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know um, if, if you know, what, what that was exactly. And it kind of made me sad because it was like... Um, why did they have to just like unplug her and like disconnect her or whatever they, you know, what exactly whatever you want to call it. I mean, can't they just reboot her or something? <laughs> I mean, turn her off, turn her back on. Yeah. I mean, isn't that the first step? That is the first thing in it's IT. True. Reboot. Although, did you reboot? The bad thing is, is hardware has a shelf life. You know, like you look at your computer mm-hmm. you had from like, you know, 2004, like that'd be a hunk of junk right now, even though at that time it was, you know, the greatest thing ever. Yeah, so, that's my iPad right now. <laughs> yeah, we've got like a second or third generation one that's like just barely holding on. Mine does not upgrade anymore. <laughs> it's like, does it still get to the internet? Sweet. I think that's the other thing when you get to a certain age, you're like, I don't care. Like, it still gets the internet. That's all that matters. That's all I use my phone for anyway. Well, you know, between your phone and I have a Mac. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need much else. So the iPad is just kind of an extra. And um, the only reason it's aggravating, because it does, it still works. It might be a little bit slow. I realize that. It's not going to be as fast as the newer ones. So I understand that. But it really, I don't use it so much where it's aggravating. The only thing that aggravates me is I've got a couple of apps that I would still like to use it for. Mm. But I can't use my apps because they won't freaking update. It's not supported anymore. Yeah. Um, and so and my, I've got an old things. iOS. That's one of the things when you pull that that trigger and you you pick up the new one you're like oh my god how did i do it without it's like tvs we just got a new tv a while back it's like is it really going to be that much better you're like yeah it is it's so much better i know and i mean i'm i'm thinking about you know just going ahead and pulling the trigger and getting a new one because i've seen some good deals but it's like I, I am a gadget queen. Let me make that clear. I love gadgets, but I'm also, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind mm. of girl. You know, I like my money and I don't like spending that money if I don't need it. So my iPad for now is still working. I'm just kind of on the fence. Do I go ahead and pull the trigger so I can get an updated version? I can get all my apps updated. Um, and then, of course, be blown away by how much faster it is. Or do I just keep using this thing till it finally just peters out like poor Grace did? She, that's what it was. She just needed her iOS upgraded. That's all yeah. she needed. Yep. She had to get her <laughs> Mac, go in there and get like the new Safari, or not the new Safari, get the new OS. Yeah. Get the new OS. What is it? The um, Oh, gosh. It's not the I High guess- Sierra. It's the Mojave now. If she's Grace, like maybe it's just like female names. So then the next one's like Stephanie. That's the next right. upgrade for her. <laughs> well, it could be Grace 2.0. <laughs> But I just thought it was super touching um, to kind of see the nice little relationship that she had with Diego. Um, and it was sad because it's even though she's a robot, it was the only mom they had. You know, she fed for them. She tucked them in. You know, she helped Diego stutter. You know, um, you could see how she really cared for them like a mom really would. Yeah, she was a robot. But, you know, it, it was more loving and comfort than what they had from their dad. That's for sure. So when I... I- I haven't experienced this yet, but I can kind of see it with my parents is, you know, you have these kids in your house for 18 years and all of a sudden they leave and they're grown ups, mm-hmm. and now you're there by yourself. And it's kind of that, what do they call it? The empty nest syndrome or empty yeah. nest, uh, you know, couples. 
Yep. And so, like, even when they're there and they're fighting, they're like, well, did you hear that? And she's like, I'll go make cookies. Like, mm-hmm. you know, my mom does stuff like that today where she's like, oh, well, I'll do this thing that I did for you when you were 12. It's like, mom, I'm 33. <laughs> I'm, I can do it on my own. I'm fine. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. I thought that was sweet. And, and yeah, I wonder if that had anything to do with it. Did she kind of go a little, you know, did she decline because she didn't have anyone to care for anymore? Maybe because that was her job. That was her role. Um, and the kids weren't there anymore. She didn't have anyone to take care of. You know, maybe that caused her, um, you know, to kind of decline and all of that. I don't know. I'll be, I don't know if we'll get that answer, but it was just kind of sad and a sweet little story. And it was um, kind of sad to see when she got unplugged. So that's my number five. All right. So my number five, I want to talk about Luther. So okay. we see him in episode four doing pushups and he looks normal. Like he's just, he looks like the Dickon we know from Game yeah, of Thrones. Yeah, Dickon Tarly. Yeah. He's in good <laughs> shape. You know, he's got the back muscles like you would think a Dickon would have. <laughs> that was a good opening, by the way. A good opening painting over his. I thought of you his... when I saw that. Yeah, well, I thought of me too. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine me like, wait a minute, I think I missed something here. Let me rewind that a little bit. Let me pause. What's going on here? I rewound and paused a little bit. I'm like, this is a great opening scene. They should do this every time. Anyway, I'm sorry, I totally interrupted you with those dirty thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> but when you see that, you're like, well, he doesn't seem as big as in the earlier episodes, like what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And uh, going back to my turtle reference, like he seems like Leonardo because he's a leader. He's stuck around with his dad. He's doing what a leader should. Yeah. He's doing these missions by himself because he thinks it's the right thing to do. He's kind of like the dutiful son here. Yeah. Yeah. He's the, he's the only one left. He's kind of, you know, yes, dad, you know, do whatever you ask. I'm here. Last one left. Dutiful son. Yeah, when he takes it on his shoulders, he's like, well, if, if I'm not going to do it, who's going to do it? Like, everybody else got to go off and do whatever they want. Like, I, if, if I do the, don't do this, it's the end of the world. Right. And so we see him go off on his mission and come back after getting what looks to be shot, stabbed, like just the crap beat out of him. And we find out that he's essentially a werebeast. I guess a werebaboon, maybe. Uh, <gasps> it And it's it's really, you know, it's shocking when they, they rip the shirt off after the fight. All the, yeah. the siblings see it and they're like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And when that happens, like, you're kind of like, wait, why are they freaked out by this? Like, shouldn't they know? Like, these are all superheroes. Shouldn't they understand that their brother's this weird beast like creature? Yeah. Uh, but no, his, his dad saved him, in quotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what makes me kind of curious about we don't really know what happened with the other 36, right? Right. We know on that day there was quite a few kids that were born that weren't, that weren't basically like the mom wasn't pregnant beforehand. So are these kids, did they get their powers mm-hmm. because of him, because of the doctor? Did he do something to trigger some kind of gene that gave them their powers? Or is is he just experimenting on these kids? Like, is he not even really caring about them? Like, it opens up so many kind of questions that don't yes. get answered. Such a mystery, this this Hargreaves and what his... Yeah, and when you see him, he, you know, he, he yells for the shot. Grace grabs it kind of... Or no, uh, Pogo kind of grabs it reluctant. But it wasn't like a... Like, it didn't seem like he's like, oh, my gosh, yes, now's my chance to prove my theory, stab, inject. Now you're a were-monkey, a were-ape. It was more like, oh, my God, this is the only way to save you. I have to do this. I don't yeah. know if it'll work. So I like to lean that he's he's a hard-ass dad. He's not, a, like, a, a hateful dad. Like, he actually has feelings for these kids. Yeah. that, And I wondered about that, too, that, that kind of – because I, I feel like – 
everything that I keep seeing shows how cold and heartless he is. But this one moment, because it's still throughout this episode, both episodes, we see in my eyes, he's so cruel in some ways. He's he's cold and heartless, and it's all about you know uh, these missions or or you know saving this group of people or whatever it was that he because we don't even really know what that mission was that that Luther went out on and he's on his own. Um, so we don't really know what this chemical is. He's just keeping it from getting into someone's hands. Um, so we don't really know a whole lot about that, but he's just, you know, even, and even Luther's like, you don't have to call me number one anymore. I'm the only one left. And he's like, Oh, yeah. Okay. And so that kind of, to me, just gives you all you need to know about his attitude. But in that moment, he did seem to kind of care when he's trying to save him, trying to revive him. And then he's like, that's it. That's my last option is to inject him with whatever the serum was. Um, when I think the the conversations he had with number five, when he was saying, I want to time travel. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was kind of, yeah, it was a hard moment with, you'd think like, well, just let him do it. He's a superhero. But it was more of like, I'm scared to let you do this because I don't think you're ready. Like, I think it can hurt you. And he was right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. I liked it when, because <laughs> Luther is so big. He was trying to get in the van. <laughs> yeah. Thunk. Number five's in the driver's side. He's trying to get in. And he just keeps like, can't get in this van. I uh, like, sometimes I wish I was a little bit taller, a little bit bigger, like muscular wise. But uh-huh. like, you see guys like Andre the Giant or guys that, you know, they could hold beer cans like in the palm of their hand. Yeah. Like, you have to feel for them. Like it just, life is not built for somebody over like six five. Think of the guy that plays the mountain on Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. That dude think, is massive. When I think his wife is like tiny, like she's like yeah. 4'10". She's teeny tiny. There is this great picture of them. Yeah, they just recently got married. They were dating for a really long time. They just recently got married, I believe. There's this really great, sweet picture of them, and they're sitting next to each other, and they're both holding mugs. I don't know if it's tea or coffee, but they're like co- like regular coffee-sized mugs, and his looks like a teeny tiny little uh. child's play cup in his hand. I mean, it looks fine in her hand, and she's this teeny tiny little petite person, and he's like seven feet tall, yeah. and that mug looks like a little child's teacup. Um, it's hilarious that yeah. dude, and he's like that, the strongest man in the world now. Yeah, it's, he's won he's that like, competition a couple times. He broke like yeah. a mythical record. Yeah, like, there's some record about throwing. I think it was like stones. Like it's not even in Guinness Book because it's in like uh, I think it's like Irish or Scottish. Like such like, an like, ancient mythology. tradition. Yeah, <laughs> they can't even record it because it's like so old. <laughs> yeah, it's like we don't even think this is humanly possible. He's like, well, let me try. Throw, throw, throw. Wait, how many more do I have to throw? Two more? All right, here's six more. Yeah, no kidding. He's He's got it. He's amazing. And I could not even begin to pronounce his name because he, like a lot of the cast, are like European and mm. from like, you know, um, Nordic, you know, countries. So I wouldn't even try to pronounce his name, but um, just Google him. You'll find him. He's, he's quite something. That's kind of what he, you know, just at least maybe a little bit on the smaller side. Um, because I think the mountain does do leg day, unlike Luther. Um, oh, yeah, he does for sure. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's kind of, yeah, that is funny. That's what it kind of reminded me of. Poor Luther trying to get in um, smaller spots. Can't but quite yeah, fit. That's my number five is Luther the Were-Ape. I like it. Um, so my number four, talk a little bit about Vanya. Uh, she, she is like the saddest person, I swear, <laughs> on the planet. Um I feel like being told 
she you know she gets told all of her life from her father and i say that in quotation marks um because i don't know how much of a father he really was and apparently you know she really didn't seem that way either because we kind of see how she you know like the origin of her writing that book you know we kind of get to see a little bit of background about that we already kind of knew it was about the family and clearly people didn't like it or i mean her family didn't like it because she wrote about them um so she she gets told all of her life from her father that she's just ordinary. That's got to be a hurtful thing anyway. Even if he's a crappy father, it's still your father and the only person that you know is your father and you're you're constantly being told that you're ordinary. Like here you have these and I just try to put myself in that headspace like um you have these superhero brothers and sisters. And so you you get to see them in action. You get to do you know, see them do these awesome, amazing things. Um, and you can't do that. And you're constantly, you know, being pointed out, not only can you not do it, but it's constantly pointed, pointed out that, Oh, protect Vanya. She's a liability. Um, she's ordinary, you know, and then she gets told that again from this girl who played the first chair violin, telling her that she should just, Stop being ordinary with the violin and start doing something else. Um, That's, of course, paraphrasing, but I'm just like, that look on her face. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? (laughs) She might not be first chair, but I don't know. Vanya was anybody that can play an instrument like that, in my opinion, is pretty amazing and not ordinary at all. I always feel like those are kind of the things it's like, you know, like because you you put her next to us. It's like you're talented. Like you can play this instrument. You play mm-hmm. songs from memory. You're playing like third chair in an orchestra. Yeah. Like I can barely play a kazoo. Like hats exactly. off to you. But even then, like there's always like the like, man, I wish I was just a little bit better so I could be first chair. It's kind of just that human nature of like wanting to be. Because even that, that first chair girl, like that wasn't like the world renowned orchestra. Mm-hmm. So I guarantee she's got like sights of being like, oh, well, I want to go to Carnegie Hall or right. the Australian Opera House or wherever the heck, you know, the major leagues of violining is. I don't know what yeah, it is. I, I, I don't know what that is either. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very classy. I'm just no. glad I didn't call it a cello or a fiddle. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Oh, gosh, that's funny. Yeah, I'm the same. You know, to me, it's it's extraordinary because I can't play a violin. Um, and I think anybody that can play an instrument really well um, is certainly excelling in something. But, you know, she, she, she gets downed all of her life from her father. Uh, she's getting it again as an adult uh, from this first chair violin. And I think that this is what kind of makes her vulnerable to this Leonard guy. You know, he's kind of telling her all of these things that she wants to hear. He relates to her like, oh, yeah, I was never good enough for my dad either. You know, so he's kind of throwing her these little bones mm. and, you know, where it's like, oh, well, you kind of get where I'm coming from. You know, that's totally a tr- me. I know I'm I'm so cynical. Y'all know this already from listening um, to our other podcasts. Um, but I feel like it made her so vulnerable to fall for this Leonard guy um, because he's he's, you know, kind of trying to say oh yeah I know where you're coming from and he it's totally making her vulnerable to him and whatever it is that he's up to we now know he's not quite I don't think who he says he is yeah. I don't know how how dirty and evil he might be but clearly he's up to something he's dumped out her pills sneaking around in her apartment um and it's just really sad to see how he's showing her some kindness and understanding maybe even love like a fake I think in his eyes anyway, yeah. but to her, you know, she's so vulnerable. She's so, I think, hungry and thirsty for 
some attention and some positivity in her life because she gets, you know, just looked down upon so much because, oh, well, you're just Vanya. Yeah. And um, I just think it's so sad. But, you know, I, and as much as I feel bad for her, though, one little thing I'll nitpick a little bit about was when Hazel and Cha-Cha are, like, blowing up that whole, I'm just going to call it a library or whatever the hell it is, um, where they had that big fight. She comes down the stairs, and she's like, hey, you guys, are you okay? And hey, it's guys, like, TV's on a little loud. Whack. There's all this gunfire going on. I mean, even if you're not down there in the middle of it, you can you know what gunfire sounds like. So yeah. why would you just go walking up into a room where there had just been all of this gunfire going on? Um, you know you have no powers, or at least she's been told she has no powers. And how could she possibly be helpful in the situation at all? Um, I thought that was kind of a little bit dumb um, that she would just do that, walk up in there in this mess. Um, but anyway, that's, that's my number four is Vanya. Well, that leads really well into my number four, which is Leonard. Uh, you kind of touched on me a little bit, but Mm -hmm. so I, you know, it's, it's, there, there's three things I think that are pretty specific, like him getting caught in her house, Yes, which we find out he left roses, which is a very good cover. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, He meets up with Vanya and her sister and he recognizes his sister, which makes kind of sense because she's like a movie star and whatnot. But yeah. if he knew her right away, like, wouldn't he make the connection of her last name, too? So I feel like that was kind of calling the bluff. Where he's like, oh, you're so-and-so. Wait, weren't you part of the Umbrella Academy? He's like, wait, you weren't part of it, right? And she's like, no, I'm just, you know, I'm ordinary kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and then the last was him dumping out the pills. Now, all these things could be him dumping out the pills because he's thinking, oh, my gosh, like, I'm trying to help you because I was on pills. But. You know, this is a TV show, so obviously I doubt his motives are good. Yeah. So, again, they're just kind of leading the way for Leonard to be the bad guy, I think. I haven't checked his eyes to see if he has a fake eye or anything. Oh, I haven't been looking for the fake eye. Yeah. And the other, well, the, the one last thing I'll tie on him, too. So, I'm, like, I would love for, like, somebody to be like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm so infatuated with you after seeing you one time that I carved this thing statue of you out of wood and i want I you to know. have it oh my god how ridiculous but that's really creepy it is because creepy. one it was very accurate which you know rima we've talked on the internet a lot i mm-hmm. could not for the life of me even draw a picture of you let alone like the first <laughs> time we ever like saw each other so this screams stalking to me it's it's you all over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's Joe. Oh, it's Joe from you. Yeah. But again, lots of questions, lots of red flags going off for Leonard. So, you know, I, you know, it's Leonard. Yeah. Well, I mean, he got kind of aggressive with Allison when she caught him in the apartment and they yeah. were in the, that little kitchen area talking. And, you know, um, he got a little aggressive, I thought, with with her in that, you know, question and back and forth that he was when he was addressing her. And I thought, you know, you're skirting a fine line there, yeah. buddy. I wouldn't be surprised if he went back to the apartment and put flowers on the bed after. I bet he did. Cover his track. Cover yeah. his tracks. I think he, yeah, I think he's, and I'm curious. I don't know if he's working alone. I don't know if he's working for someone in particular, but um, I, I definitely don't think his motives are pure, for sure. I like it. Uh, well, my number three. So my number three was Luther, which we've already talked about. The um, trying to see if there was, you know, we got a really good look at Luther 
um, as you mentioned, you know, we kind of, he's the last one in the house, felt so alone and isolating. I felt really bad for him. He opens the door to Allison's room. Yeah. Or Alyssa's room. Is it Alyssa or Allison? Allison. Yep. Uh, Whiskey stout. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And he kind of like looks at it longingly because, you know, they kind of had, I don't know if they've ever like, quote, dated or anything, but they obviously have some kind of feelings for each other. Yeah. And so that moment, like you said, he felt so alone that I wrote on here too, like if he's in this house by himself, like why wouldn't he just want to live on the moon by himself? It's not that much different. Yeah, it it didn't seem even, you know, we didn't see Pogo, we didn't see his mom. He just, you know, he riding that bike around the house. Yeah. Drinking from like a, a milk jug. Yeah, he didn't have a homemade breakfast. He was eating cereal. So yeah. was his mom like on a, like was she like put away like on sleep mode? I don't know. I don't. I was curious about that too. I was like, well, you'd think that that would be what she is kind of like would want to do or be programmed to do, being that caretaker. Um, you know, fixing him breakfast. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it just seems so lonely. And you know, all the kids were gone and. Um, He's the only one left. And it's just interesting to see the dynamic with all the kids because he seems pretty devoted to his dad. Most everyone else seems to kind of hate him or at least, you know, just be like, whatever. Um, dad was kind of an, an ass. So, you know, I mean, they're, they like are de- kind of devoted and have a little bit of respect but because that was their dad. But as far as like sticking around like Luther did, it was just kind of is- interesting to see that and how Diego is, you know, devoted to his mom and, you know, kind of interesting to see, you know, where all the kids kind of, where their loyalties lie. And I'm just curious, I don't know if I quite understand, you know, I understand their displeasure with, with Vanya over the book. You know, they, they, you know, it can't be easy to have anybody write about you, you know, in, in the book. And I don't know if she had to have, I don't know rules or laws about any of that if you write if you're just allowed to write about people in a book if it's your family if you have to get their permission because you're not changing their names i mean she said i'm vanya hargreaves i mean she's you know identifying herself and you you could probably sue for slander maybe but then that would be hard to prove and you're you're probably just taking them to court to take them to court where you both end up losing i'm not yeah that's a good question yeah, but I mean, we know why they're all angry at Vanya, but there's just all the kids, just all like Diego and Luther can't stand each other. They're constantly fighting and going at each other. Um, Allison kind of snips at Vanya a little bit, but of course that's about the book. And, you know, they all just are snippy with each other. And, you know, everybody's always kind of mad at Klaus because he's always drunk or high. <laughs> and um, so it's just like, why do you guys hate each other so much? I feel like that they should have developed... Like, you know, the environment that they grew up in should have bonded them. Like, yeah, they were a we, team. We are all that we have. Our, our dad sucks. We got a robot for a mom. Um, we're, we're all that we our have butler's in the world. An ape. Exactly. Our butler's a, a, a chimp. I'm going to say chimp because I think that's the correct term. But I don't know. I'm just, I just thought it was so lonely. And I thought, gosh, you guys are all that you have with, for each other, but you're so upset or, or allowing these things to you know, just kind of overrun you and and you're not being a team anymore. So I don't know. It was just kind of sad, but it was nice to kind of get a little bit of a glimpse. We got the glimpse of Vanya and then we got Luther. So it'll be interesting to kind of see um, some others too. So that's my number three was Luther. Uh, let's see. So for my number three, we already talked about a little bit, um, was just mom. So again, uh, you know, a lot of the things... It, 
I think you bring up a good point when you talked about when she wasn't there when Luther was at the house by himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of thought it was weird when he was eating cereal because, again, she was very quick to to make cookies, very quick to make them a breakfast with smiley face. So I yeah. kind of wonder if if they were kind of put on some kind of hiatus too, like Pogo was gone. Maybe he had left too and, he, you know, the doctor, the dad didn't have any use for her anymore because there wasn't any kids. So he's just like, oh, I'm going to put you on sleep mode and – then once everybody was gone, he's like, okay, well, now I need a caretaker and brought her back. But Right. But yeah, we've, we've kind of touched on her a little bit, but yeah, just my number three was mom. Yeah, hopefully we get a little bit of a backstory sort of, you know, of Grace um, or mom um, and kind of see how she came came along. Poor poor woman didn't even have a bedroom. Didn't yeah. even have her own room. Damn. Oh, and the, when they're talking about when she's sitting in front of the pictures and Diego's like, he's never even let you leave the house. She's like, yeah, but I've seen all these beautiful. And the weird thing, too, is there's a picture of a woman that Mm -hmm. she was kind of navigating to a lot, which I don't know if maybe that's who she was made in inspiration of, maybe. Oh, maybe. You know, some kind of sad, like, love that, you know, he never got to experience or be with or was cut short. Right. Uh, But she was okay with seeing all these beautiful paintings. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's an interesting concept to think about. because I, I think I've talked to, to Jason about this, about like video games and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. what, like we talked about this with Black Mirror, you know, the episode where they were in a video game. It's like, yeah, if the if the things there had con- somewhat of a consciousness, would would that change your outlook on what happened with them? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like with her. You know, does she does she have a consciousness or is she just a robot? Like if your phone had feelings, would you feel bad when you know you get a text message that your favorite team lost and you chucked it across the room and you know your phone when it hits the wall is like ow? Like would you feel bad? <laughs> yeah, I would. <laughs> oh my god, there's got to be an app for that. There, there was an app. That, there was um, an app, wasn't there? Wasn't there something? I the had one, one. The one I'm thinking of is there's an app that it basically said, throw your phone as high in the air as you can, and we'll tell you what, like how high it went. And people would get it and throw their phone as high up in the air as they could, not thinking that phone has to come down. And then. Oh, wow. That was terrible. I think that I used to have an app (laughs) that would, if you would kind of, you had to kind of. Now, I would always try to either do it on the bed or the couch, like a soft place. I wouldn't do it on, like, the table or the floor. But if you kind of threw your phone, it would, it would like, ow, or it would <laughs> say something. It would, like, talk back to you or something. Um, God, do you know how much time I wasted on that, like we do with however many apps? I've got a game I'm going to send you, by the way. Oh, sweet. Uh, I, I think you'll game. really love it. Um, and you'll have to show it to Jacoby, too, because I think oh, he'll get a kick out of it. Sweet. I'll send it to you. Um, okay, so number two. My number two... It wouldn't be a top five uh, of the Umbrella Academy without talking about Klaus. My abs- he's still my absolute favorite. Um, but we got some insight to Klaus a little bit, and it made me so sad. And I thought, how terrible would it be to- for him to see these ghosts all the time? And it- I think it makes you understand now why he drinks and uses drugs all the time to suppress seeing these ghosts that like are at him all the time. Um, and the only one that he doesn't seem to either, I don't know how much he can control it. And if it's just because it's Ben and his brother that he doesn't mind seeing him, um, and doesn't seem to keep him away. Um, which by the way, I totally love their, their interactions. Don't you, aren't they just so funny? Um, him and Ben, um, their little back and forth, um, and they're super funny. Klaus makes 
faces at him and he looks crazy while doing it because nobody yeah, uh, knows that he's sitting there. Um, well, like when he gets kid- kidnapped and the uh, the people that kidnapped him, they're like, you know, where is your is your what they say like, do you know where your brother is? And he's like, well, you're gonna have to be more specific. And as he looks <laughs> over at his brother, exactly, it cracks me up. Their their interactions are so fun. Um, and it's no wonder people look at Klaus and just dismiss him as crazy because, you know, but it's like, well, you know that he sees ghosts and stuff. Um, yeah. But anyway, I, go ahead. It's kind of a, it's kind of a trope with, with that kind of, like, whenever you hear about people who can, you know, talk with the dead and have trouble controlling it, usually they go to some kind of substance abuse to kind of suppress yeah. that. And it is very sad. Like, it's, you know, you feel for him, especially when you look at, you know, his dad put him in a mortuary. Not a mortuary, but just like a... Look like a mausoleum oh, or something, Yeah, didn't yeah. It? Yeah. And it's like, okay, I want to put you in here with these angry ghosts, which they probably weren't angry. They're just like, oh my God, we haven't been able to talk to anybody in centuries. Like, they're just trying to talk to you. And, yeah. you know, as a seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old kid, like, that would freak freak you the fuck out. Like, exactly. how would it not? Exactly. <laughs> it, it reminds me of, and sorry if this is a spoiler alert, but good Lord, this movie is so freaking old by now. So I'm sorry if you haven't Patrick watched it Patrick Swayze's yet. Ghost. Yep. Thought the <laughs> same thing. <laughs> no, I don't like that movie. I don't like Patrick Swayze. I don't like Ghost. Um, Sixth Sense. Yeah. Uh-huh. The little boy, because it seems like when someone has this power or gift or whatever you want to refer to it as um as being able to see or speak or communicate with dead people it's like you're like this shining bright light in the dark and the dead just gravitate towards you because look there's someone that can hear me can talk that i can talk to and communicate with and so it that's what it was like to me with Klaus in that mortuary and what it's still like today when he's sober anyway, that, you know, the dead are like, there's somebody that knows I'm here. Hey, look at me, look at me, talk to me. Um, Of course you're going to get some angry ghosts out of that because, you know, dead or alive, you have angry people. But I thought that would be terrible because it feels like he's living the worst part of grief um, all the time. And to me, it sounds like hell. I mean, he, he could not even enjoy a freaking bath yeah. without being tortured. I mean, he, he comes up from the bath. He tries to get himself together, take a deep breath, and lights up a joint, you know. Um, and was that not like uh, – Tiffany, let me see if I can find it because she had the best – like when they're having that whole fight scene mm-hmm. and they're going through that – what'd she call it? Uh, oh, shit. Where is it? Oh, uh, when she when he was going through, like he had his headphones on, he didn't know. She just says like, "Well, he's blissfully unaware." Yeah, I like I, thought I was like a that. Perfect way to explain like he's got his headphones on, he's walking around, like he's walking out the door right as people come through fighting. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm curious about with his power, you know, he could talk to the dead people, which I think is good for interrogation stuff. But as a superhero, as he's going into these fights, like I feel like he has to be able to do more with that. Yeah, because you know, like the bank. How is that going like, to come in handy? Yeah, you can't go in there and be like, "Oh, there's a guy that died here 700 years ago." <laughs> right. Great. I can't do anything with that. Exactly. Uh, and my Klaus quote of the the two episodes would be, uh, "I want to see it well, first off. I want to see a Three Amigos with Luther Five and Klaus. Like, I think that would be great." <laughs> yes. But as he's in the good. back, he was he was talking about. He's like, he says something like, "I haven't told you about, or I never talk about." When uh, he waxed his ass with chocolate pudding, he's like, oh, it was really painful. How do you do that? Maybe I, I don't, don't want to know. know. I don't know. 
He's like he's the guy that like I would love to hang out with. Like he's not the guy you'd want to like hang out with all the time, but once every few months, end up dead if you you around class too long. He definitely lives life on the edge. Oh my gosh, that it's it's so dirty. But I couldn't help but giggle when Cha Cha and Hazel. You know, we know he's kidnapped them, and it shows him in the hotel room. (laughs) (laughs) Almost there. Is that? Yep. Oh, nothing like getting choked. Oh my gosh! I immediately I knew what was happening. Yeah. Um, But he did the right thing. If you're like PSA, if you if you're into that. Always have a spotter, just in case. Exactly. Don't do it alone. Yep. It's awkward when you ask your best friend to be in the next room, but you'll thank me later. Yeah, I think of, uh, was it was it David Carradine and... Um, yeah, there's like two guys that happened to like pretty like... Michael Hutchins, back lead singer yeah. NXS. Uh, oh, is that how he died? That's what they think. Uh, I don't know if it... I mean, he... <laughs> He died in that manner. I don't know if that's exactly what he was doing. Yeah. But it's was suspected. So uh, I don't huh, don't yell at me if that's, you know, but I remember that, that that's how he was found. I don't remember 100% if that was for sure what he was doing, but that was what they think. I'm not like that's not my kink at all. But that's always my big fear is like like right when I'm doing my naughty business by myself, like that's when I'm going to die. And then somebody's going to walk in with my pants around my ankles and be like, what was he look? Oh, God, Sean, you sick sicky. Yeah. No, I can't say it's my thing either. Um, but, hey, if it is your thing, hey, be safe. That's all I'm yep. going to say. Like spotter. Sean said, have a, have a spotter because um, – <laughs> That's dangerous. But it was, you know, at least in this context, really, really funny because it's interesting that he's he he talks about, you know, because you've been beating the shit out of me for 10 hours and you haven't gotten anything. So, you know, does he does some of his power make him a little bit um, not invincible because he was bloody um, but like immune to it a little bit. Yeah. Is he able, does he maybe not feel pain? Cause he seemed pretty sober. Ben said, this is the most sober you've been since you were, you know, in like 10 years. Um, you know, so he wasn't high or something that could, you know, prevent him from feeling pain. So I'm wondering if it's, you know, just, yeah, kind of made him immune or maybe he doesn't feel it you know, as much because I'm like, well, how the hell do you go through being tortured? I feel like these two probably know how to torture you. Um, well, it's kind of like, what do they call it when you do drugs? So your tolerance, your tolerance goes up. Oh, like your pain tolerance. Okay. Yeah. So maybe since he's, he sees these dead people, he experiences some of the pain they did. So his, that would increase his tolerance for pain. Maybe. Which that's, is sad. That's, like that's, that's sad. Yeah. Or maybe it's like, you know what? I've been hurt so much anyway from all this torture that my dad put me through yeah locking me in a damn crypt and you know making me face these ghosts and you know i can never you know get them out of my life and now i have to drink and do drugs to try to live normal um i don't know but he was quite funny throughout the entire episode as usual um he's always fun to watch and i enjoy him his character and the actor very much um and now i'm just wondering where the hell did he go he opened up that suitcase and poof 
Yeah, I'm excited to see where that leads. It cracked me up. He's on that bus. He's still in that damn towel. How is he in that <laughs> towel after all this time? Um, I was waiting for him to do a little basic instinct with the towel with that chick that was like kind of like eyeing him. He kind of like, already hey, was. Up? His Ooh. legs are wide open. I mean, we couldn't really see anything, but it was hilarious because when, it, you know, he she's looking at him across the way and then she really kind of gets that real big smile on her face. Yeah. Cause she kind of, it almost like she's looking down, like I see what's happening <laughs> here. And then he just is like, yeah, that's what it's about. Um, <laughs> please be money. Please be money. Poof. Poof. He's gone. So that's interesting. We've got this uh, super cool uh, briefcase and now Klaus has disappeared. So um, hopefully they find him. I love, I love Klaus. I hope he's in an okay place. But um, that's my number two, Klaus. I like it. So my number two, it might be kind of short and sweet, but it's uh, I called it Diego's Way. Mm. And the reason I call it Diego's Way is because uh, for all this season, Diego and his police officer ex-girlfriend, um, he's been talking to her throughout like, hey, you need to come out with me some night. You need to put the badge away, come out and knock heads because I'm, I'm the one doing the real justice. And finally, I think she decides, like, okay, I, I'm going to do it your way, Diego. Mm-hmm. And she waits for him, and she's like, fuck it. It's been a half an hour, an hour, whatever it is. Which I think the guy at the hotel, I think he left to give her the opportunity to do what she needed to do. You think he's so? Like, yeah, he's kind of like, listen, don't give me any trouble. I'm not going to give you any trouble. I'm turning a blind eye. I'll be back right. in 30 minutes. Right. Okay. But she wanders in. She doesn't know there's two people, just one, which, again, kind of a dick move on Klaus. He mm-hmm. should have probably helped her out. Uh, but Diego shows up and kind of would be the cause of her death, I think, in a way. Or at least he's going to feel that. Cause, yeah, I think he'll feel you know, guilty. Like, uh, like, I always feel like that's the scariest feeling ever. Because you know there's like an hour, two-hour window there where the events had happened and Diego didn't know about it. Yeah. And to me, that's always like the soul crushing thing of being like, you know, I always think of like going on a trip and having a good time and then coming back and be like, oh, hey, you know, like six hours ago when you were drunk, having fun. Yeah. Something bad happened. Right. You're like, like you would just feel like shit, I think. Absolutely. And you know, that's how he feels like this is going to be like revenge Diego now. Yeah. And I, I really got concerned for him, too, because he just runs in in that hotel room and probably leaving behind some like DNA or something on her, uh, you know, or, you know, something has come off of him on her or maybe fingerprints or something. And we know he's like this vigilante and he's kind of on the wrong side of the law. Mm. People in the, she can't be the only cop that knows who he is. Um, it, it kind of puts him in a bad position. Yeah, I think. He's going to be suspect number one. Cause his partner kind of has, an idea, I think, or her partner has an idea, I think. Yeah. So, you know, all they need to do is find like a knife or find a glove or find a fingerprint and be pretty easy to tie it back to him. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that was that was a bad rap. Kind of feel bad for Diego there. But I think we kind of knew that cop was going to eat it eventually. But that kind of sucked. Yeah. That was my number two is just Diego's way. I like it. Um, so my number one. So I'm going to make a prediction here. I thought, why not? So Vanya, uh, she ran out of medication. Um, Leonard's like, hey, don't worry about it. One day. What's one day going to hurt you? 
Um, but we find out that she's been taking it since she was a child. I think, I think we touched on this in another episode, um, that the pills are suppressing her superpowers, which I believe to be like uncontrollable. Mm-hmm. I think Hargreaves drugged her because he didn't want her to know that she had powers because he couldn't control them. Or maybe he was scared. Um, and that once the pills wear off and her powers return in, I don't know, six days or so, <laughs> um, that she's going to have those exact powers to destroy the world. Yeah, It's the Professor X uh, Dark Phoenix kind of yeah. uh, theme. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert: if if y'all don't know anything about X Men and and you know J- um, Jane uh, Jane Gray and um, it is Jane, right? Um, Jean and Jean, Jean. Gray. Why do I always say Jane? Jesus, it's like from Thor. I'm thinking of Jane. Um, well, don't feel bad. I always called him Carl Drago, <laughs> not Carl Drago. That's like I did that for like six years. Someone's like, "Did you say Carl?" I'm like, "Yeah, Carl Drago." It's like, no, it's Call Drago. Are you oh sure? Google search, and it's like instantly. It's like, did you mean Call Drago? I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. I did mean Call Drago. That's what I, <laughs> that's what I meant. Well, I'm terrible with names. I'll be oh, the first to too. tell you, I'm terrible. Like, I'll remember your face until the day that I die. But you tell me your name, and I swear, you tell me your name, and I'm just like, nope, out the window. Yep. You got to tell me like ten times. It's- it's the whole like whenever you go and meet somebody, and you're like, oh hey, I'm, and like instantly I'm thinking like, okay, don't mess up your introduction, don't mess up your introduction. Hi, I'm Sh- Wait, what the fuck was your name? Yeah, damn it. I'm so stressed. Like when I meet people and they're introducing themselves, I'm so yeah, like weirded out because I'm such a social weirdo that I'm so freaked out about trying to be nice. And I, all I can think in my head is, don't be a weirdo, don't be a weirdo. Yeah. And then well, they tell me their name, and I don't remember their name. I've learned, I've never done it successfully, but the Ben Fraser movie where he comes back from, like his family go into the uh, fallout shelter, mm-hmm. and he comes back like years later, I can't remember what that movie's called, and he's meeting people for the first time, he's like, my mom always says to repeat whoever's name when you first meet him, because it helps you remember, so it's great to meet you, Peter, great to meet you, John, and like, they're, <laughs> you know, like, I've tried to like remember that when I go to meet people, yes. but again, I'm like, don't fuck up your introduction, don't fuck up your introduction, I'm yeah. Sean, wait, what's your name? Fuck! I know, and someone will introduce themselves to me, say their name, and I'm thinking, you're going to remember that, and then like two seconds later, what was their name again? And I'm like, oh my God, you're such an idiot, but it's all I can think of is just, all I can think about is just don't be weird, and so I'm terrible with names. I apologize to anyone that I meet, and if I forget your name, but I promise you I'll remember your face till the day that I die, but anyway. My name's Sean. I understand. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We should just wear name tags. Um, but yeah, that's my prediction. I want to get your thoughts on that. What do you think about her medicine and what it ha- what it may or may not have to do with her? Because I think she's got powers. I just think she does. So I- I'm curious I, what, what your thoughts are about that. I'm in the same boat. It seems like all the, you know, all the clues are lining up to say that. Mm-hmm. Now, Leonard, I feel like, has to be a part of that, too. Now, is he the, you know, like the Lex Luthor? of this universe where he's trying to play the hand to destroy the world, or is he mm-hmm. one half of what destroys the world? Mm-hmm. You know, is it Luther and her that would destroy the world? Um, I think that'd be kind of a cool little twist. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people watching this show, kind of like we are, would probably assume like, oh my God, that's the time bomb right there. It's, it's Vanya. Yeah. No medicine, you know, her violin's going to get broke. She's going to freak out and she's going to atom bomb. Yeah. 
But if it's something like, no, her and Leonard have to, like, powers combine, and instead of Captain Planet, they get pff, atom bomb. Like, oh. that'd be kind of a cool little twist. Yeah. Well, I think she's definitely got some powers. I think it's she's probably stronger than all of them. Whether or not she is an instrument to destroy the world or an instrument to save the world. I don't know, but I think there's definitely something sketchy. Like you said, I think there's been some clues and things laid out. I don't believe she's ordinary at all. I think it's just too weird um, that she would be one of, at least out of these seven that we know, like you said, there's still 36 out there we don't know anything yeah. about or what they're up to. Um, so I think that's just interesting. So that's my number one is, is just my little prediction. What do you I got? Like it. Uh, my number one is just the suitcase. So. Ah, we learn like the, the Pulp suits. Fiction suitcase. <laughs> yeah, we learn the suits hide it. Uh, we know time, they're they're time travelers. That's pretty obvious, I think. Um, mm-hmm. They mentioned the nine millimeter casing that was from 1963, hadn't been produced since 1963 that they're using. Yep. Uh, fingerprints from a cold case from the 30s, which I'm guessing is one of these two. Uh, in the hotel, we've got the little like bank transport thing. You know, like when you go to the bank and the oh air tube God. thing comes out, you got to yes. open it, look at it, put it in. I never get used you know, you to those. That thing. Um, but then you have Klaus steal this suitcase not knowing what it is. He's thinking it's money. He's like, yes, I can get more you know, junk or whatever I need. But he opens it and poof, he's gone. Where'd he go? Nobody knows. Um, and so that opens up a whole new can of worms. Like what it would be kind of cool like if somehow he does go to the future mm-hmm. and him and five have an interaction that five doesn't know about. Oh, how weird. Yeah, yeah like five. Well, I guess the five in current world knows about that interaction but can't say anything because you'll fuck up the timeline yeah that i hope this show does a good job with it because if you want to fuck up a show real quick just throw in time travel oh my god yeah like you think about like lost like back to the future did an okay job with it but it's like we'll fix it with time travel it's like no you just screwed everything up totally so i'm just kind of curious about this suitcase and seeing where that leads it seems very important seems like the powers that be that the uh, suits work for really care about it and now it's in the hands of our favorite junkie klaus oh what better hands could it be in of course well and i think that's you're talking about time travel and i guess that and i've watched it twice maybe i should have watched that scene a couple more times maybe i should have put on the closed captioning just so i could really get that dialogue I'm a little bit confused when Cha-Cha and Hazel were in the donut shop and they were like trying to figure out what five was up to. And they said something about him like correcting or doing something with the timeline. Did you catch that at all or understand what the hell is going on? Cause I don't know so, that I caught that. I kind of think they figured out like, Oh my gosh, like we're hired to help cause the end of the world. And I don't think they like that. But to me, it's kind of one of those things too. It's like, if you've got the ability to time travel, let's say like you and I are actually from like, we're the suits and we're actually from the year like 1746, mm-hmm. but we're doing all these jobs. It's like, listen, you're going to do all these jobs. You're going to work for 40 years. So we're going to put you back in 1748 with tons of money. You can live out your life like a king. And at that point they're like, Oh my gosh, this is when the world ends. It's like, well, that doesn't affect us. We're going back to our timeline where this is way in the future. Isn't going to fuck with us. So why not? Do our job, get our money, and go back. Or is it one of those situations where, like, oh my gosh, like I don't want to be part of this? Like, are they going to have some morality come into play that causes them to change what they're doing? Mm-hmm. It, I, I I like Hazel and Chacha. They're fun. Oh yeah, 
uh, when he's in the the uh, library and like she's mm-hmm. kind of yelling at him. He's like, "Uh, I lost my gun. <laughs> he's got to go back for it." I think we spent a little too much time with them. Just a, a little. I don't think I needed as much time with them too. Um, you know, the typical assassins like Pulp Fiction or Quentin Tarantino type. Oh yeah, movie or whatever. I think it was a little bit too much, but they were fun, and I certainly do enjoy Hazel. Um, oh goodness, Cameron something is his name that played Ed Kemper um, in in um, <coughs> Mindhunters. He's enjoyable. I think he's really fun in that, but I think we had just a little bit too much, in my opinion. That's a good number one. I, I'm just interested to help because, like you said, anytime you start throwing in time travel, I just my mind just like, oh no, here we go. It's going to get complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and talking about timelines and time travel and, and, you know, well, this happens and now it's messed this up or it's changed how this is going to happen. And I'm just like, oh shit. Um, it's like lost all over again. Um, good number one. Um, do you have any, let's see, let's do notes. So, you know, I can't help but make comparisons to Haunting, Haunting of Hill House. We've talked about that before where we have, you know, some similarities between the siblings on that show and this show. And I think that will, and this is, if, if anyone hasn't watched House, uh, um, Haunting of Hill House, this could be slightly spoilery, I don't know, but in case you haven't watched it um, and don't want to hear, um, skip ahead just a little bit. So, you know, in Haunting of Hill House, we had all of those episodes where we focused on a sibling um, for like what five or six episodes and then mm-hmm. we kind of got into the story of all of them together where they were intermingling and stuff so i feel like this show maybe could have done maybe something a little bit similar with each sibling and maybe it might help me care about them a little bit more yeah they've kind you know? of done that but it's it's yeah. been like the first 10 minutes of the episode yeah yeah and i'm not hating on the show or anything like that um i i don't hate it but i'm just thinking you know i just i don't know if i'm as involved but they are starting to kind of reveal some things like with klaus and you know with luther and with vanya so i feel like i'm getting a little bit there maybe if we get it a little bit more if we find out what happened to ben you know get a little bit more about number five um with allison you know she's telling a few things but i don't know i just feel like you get a little bit more and you kind of care a little bit more when you have your attention focused on just them a little bit and then having them come together. So I don't know. I wish they had done maybe something a little bit more like that. Um, you mentioned um, when Eudora, she was the cop that Diego was involved with, says the bullets from the diner and the department store are from 1963 or before. Um, it makes you question, of course, are these assassins from the past and not the future? Mm. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting um, I thought it was interesting that we learned finally in this episode why Allison lost her kid. And it's because she used her powers on her. Mm. Um, you can and, see why that would be tempting, right? Well, and like I we mean, have a three-year-old right now that's not sleeping the best. Mm-hmm. And I could see it being very tempting to be like, hey, why don't you just sleep until nine o'clock today? Yeah. I think uh, we all kind of wish we had those magical powers Any if you've raised children. Um, if you've been through the three-year-old stage, um, yeah, I think we all would have wished for our, our kids yeah. to, hey, get over your ten- temper tantrum already, <laughs> or whatever, or eat your damn dinner, you know? For the 800th time, no, you can't have a sucker. Exactly. I can definitely see where that would be tempting, but I do feel for her, because it's like, would is that the right thing to do? And I feel like if you skip through, you know, because it seemed like she kept skipping through all the bad stuff, and I feel like you 
I feel like if you don't go through the bad, it doesn't help you appreciate the good. And I feel like that's kind of what life is. Life is good. Life is bad. You got to go through the bad stuff. Yeah. You got to go appreciate. through the struggle. Yeah. Sure. That's just kind of part of it. You can't just, it's not real to just always have it peachy. And to, I mean, not that I want everyone to have shit in their lives or anything. Um, but, you know, I feel like you have to kind of had, that's part of life. You go through the struggles and it builds yep. you up and it builds the character and it makes you appreciate when the good things do come around. So I Best can kind of see that. Best example I can think of on that recently. So we took our kiddo to the Kansas City Comic Con. Planet yeah. Comic Con. It was very challenging because he was super excited running all over the place. But mm-hmm. And we kind of were like, well, do we really want to do it? Because it's going to be a pain in the ass. But seeing that little kiddo's mind explode, seeing Iron Man, yeah. Spider-Man's. Predators. This kid like saw a scary clown and waved at it. Like it was. Oh, you oh, trained so him, awesome. Sean, yeah. to Pennywise. <laughs> he saw a predator and he's like, "What's that?" I'm like, "That's predator." He's like, "I want to go hug him." I'm like, "All right, let's do it." Oh, I saw Tiffany share <clears throat> those pictures on Facebook, and she said his face was just like lit up the oh, entire my gosh, yeah. time because in all the pictures, it's like. She couldn't get like a still picture of him because the kid is just looking at everything and he just looked, you could see it in his face. He was just like, oh, look at this, yeah. look at that. So adorable. It's, if you get a chance, it, it's a challenge. Get a, get a back, get a backpack with like a little leash. So mm-hmm. one parent holds a leash, one holds his hand. <laughs> yes. But we've already planned to do two days next year because it's going to be just, just like, like I almost cried when I first walked up and saw him because he's like watching people come up the elevator. It's like, Dad, Dad, I saw this, I saw that, and Tiffany was like, uh, "Yeah, first thing he saw was Iron Man." He's like, "Mom, Iron Man." She's like, "You want to go see him?" He's like, "No," but then they had to walk by him. And he's like, "It's Iron Man, Mom." Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. I mean, and I love that. I totally get what you're saying when you see that joy on your kid's face. Um, to relate a little bit to that. Now, listen, my kid was not three when this happened. I'm totally going to out, um, you know, my poor kid. And I know she'll never listen to this, so it's okay. When I took my kid to Disney for the first time, my kid was raised on Disney, is a huge Disney freak. We're all Disney freaks here. Um, the first time I took her to Disneyland, she was like 16 years old. We went to Orlando. She was in a national volleyball um, tournament. Um and it was there in Orlando, and it was on. Um, we were playing at the ESPN World Center at Disney World or Disneyland. Sorry, that's the one in Orlando. Oh, yeah. So it's like, okay, well, we're here already. We're literally across the street from freaking Disney, and we're going to be at the ESPN World Center playing freaking volleyball in the national um, championship. Um, we're going to Disney. My kid, yes, sorry, was my kid's first trip to Disney was when she was 16. But I thought, you know what? It's a good thing. She's going to walk away with true memories. She's going to remember it. I mean, it's cool to take your three-year-old, but are they really going to remember it? I don't know. People are probably going to tell me, yeah, my kid remembers everything. Good for them. (laughs) But anyway, my kid, 16 years old, was like she was three again because she was completely obsessed like with Little Mermaid and Lion King, still is to this day. Um, So, you know, we're on the Winnie the Pooh ride And she was obsessed with Winnie the Pooh. Just seeing her face as we're walking around Disney. And, you know, the characters are out and about at Disney, you know, and you can go up and you can hug them and take your picture. And just she was like she's 16. And but she looked like she was three or four years old with that (laughs) that constant smile and this amazement like there's Woody and there's Winnie the Pooh and there's Tigger and, and there's all her princesses. And it was 
and I cried. That's awesome. I cried. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, look at my little baby. She's just having the time of her life. And I just cried and cried the whole time. I'm um, just That's seeing awesome. the, the joy on her face. So anyway, um, that was just my little story in relating to um, your sweet little boy, seeing, you know, all of that joy on his face. Um, and that came across, like I said, um, Tiffany showed or, or, or shared some cute pictures of him on Facebook and it was just adorable. I bet that that poor boy slept so hard that night. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, got off on a little bit of a tangent there. One last little note. Um makes me wonder a little bit about five. He he says something to Luther. He alludes to killing untold numbers of people. Mm. He even refers to himself as the four horsemen. But whenever he says that he ran from the inc- when he ran from the Umbrella Academy and he ran away and he was in a future where every other person on earth was dead, but yet he talks about killing people in this backstory. So what are we missing? I think that's a missing piece that um, we have yet to find out, hopefully soon. So anyway, it's all my notes. You got anything? Uh, see, so I got a couple notes. So the one I liked is when uh, Cha-Cha was talking about, no, it's Hazel, I think, right? Hazel's the woman. Uh, Hazel is the man. Cha cha okay. is Mary J. Blige. When uh, he was talking, well, Hazel was talking about how he hates, or Mary J. Blige was talking about how she hated sprinkles, and she's like, "Well, maybe I just hate donuts." <laughs> and I don't know who donuts. hates donuts. Like, I love donuts. Um, <laughs> love donuts. Uh, let's see. There was one other thing I thought was kind of worth noting. I'd even eat a gross apple fritter. Yeah, you go you go in the office and there's donuts sitting there. Like you're you're gonna grab them. <laughs> Screw the diet. We're having having donuts. Good Krispy Kreme. Oh my god. I think yeah, I think that's all I have for notes. Awesome. Well, that was good. That was good. That's gonna take us into news. I don't have a a, a source because it's kind of everywhere um, that the Umbrella Academy season two, woohoo, Woo-hoo. has officially been announced. So that's pretty awesome news coming off of season one. We were all kind of waiting to see if that would happen or not. So I hope everyone's super excited um, about that. I have no idea. I st- I haven't watched the end. I haven't watched past episode four, so I have no idea what happens. Um, and how it ends, but I think everyone was pretty excited about that. Um, big news. Um, we have messages from the other 36. It's our listener feedback portion. Uh, this first one that we have is from our good friend, Doug Fick. He says, I like how the episodes start with a mini backstory for each of the kids so far. I'm glad we can gain some insight into each one without having a whole episode devoted to a character so the storyline can move along. Klaus continues to please, and the tub and withdrawal scenes uh, gives us a little more than the cartoon Klaus. I agree. The shootouts are fun, but Hazel and Cha-Cha could use some time at the range. (laughs) Yes, they could. Um, The reveal about what is under Luther's coat was a surprise. Industrial size near to the rescue. (laughs) (laughs) Touching and heartbreaking when Diego shuts his mother off. I think she did feel things. Leonard, what are you up to? Uh, Now Klaus has the briefcase way to go and break protocol, Hazel. Fun fact, the actor who plays Pogo is in there something about Mary as Norm, the pizza delivery guy who poses as Tucker, the architect with the English accent and the crutches. I recognized the voice. Liking it so far. Fun watch. Our next one comes from Rory Tom. So loved watching this show. 
Klaus is so awesome. Robert Sheehan has recently the male lead in Mortal Engines. Interesting. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to comment too much because I know what's coming, and I really would hate to spoil anything for you guys. Thanks, Rory, for not spoiling us. And I agree, Klaus is awesome. Okay, so we got an email from Jenny Ward. Um, she actually left some um, feedback for episode two, but we had recorded um, on Tuesday and it came in, I think, the next day. So I wanted to be sure to include it this week. So for episode two, she says, hey, y'all, love the episode. Klaus continues to be hilarious and everything he does going forward should be accompanied by an Adam Ant song. Totally agree. So it would seem that five has been in the past as well as the future, or maybe I missed them mentioning that before. The knife he used in the donut shop uh, came from an unsolved crime from the 30s. Random thoughts. Mary J. Blige and partner are scary as hell. Was Dolores always a mannequin? I can't wait to see what Allison saw on the tape. Vanya's violin student was a little creepy and suspicious. I hope I'm wrong. I don't think you're wrong, Jenny. Five found the eye that hadn't been manufactured yet in future dead Luther's hand. How much into the future is this? He said last episode that it was just days away, right? Looking forward to the next episode. Um, I think he said eight days. Um, eight days. End of the world is in eight days. So as of that time, I think right now we're at six days. So, yeah, we've also got a couple of voicemails from the first one is from Gwendolyn Fig. Hi, Rima. Hi, Sean. It's Gwen. I'm calling with some feedback. So I guess I'll start with some of the things that I like. Um, I like Diego's relationship with the mom. Um, it's very sweet. And, you know, I can totally understand how he would feel a connection to her. Uh, just like number five feels a connection to the mannequin, Dolores. Uh, you know, more so a robot who acts human and treats you well. So um, it was really sad when he had to, like, turn her off. And uh, just, you know, <clears throat> how she'd been. She's a computer, so she's going to deteriorate and get old. And I wonder if uh, the dad maybe had programmed her to kill him I don't know anyway um another thing that I liked was uh Klaus and all the uh dead people that was really cool it, it reminded me of a lot of Beetlejuice um and the afterworld the underworld whatever it was really cool um and then some of the weird things that I was like what was uh you know, when Hazel and Cha-Cha went to the house. It's like they're walking around with no masks. Well, first of all, there's a talking chimpanzee and a robot mom, but they don't have an alarm system. So that was weird. And then, you know, they're walking around, and then halfway through, then they decide to put their masks on. It's just bizarre. I uh, don't know. Anyway. But uh, on a great note, Halloween Horror Nights. I'm so excited. I was able to go last year. And the Stranger Things house was really amazing. They did a good job with the <coughs> theming and all the characters and how they looked. And it was very believable. And it was really cool. So hopefully you can go this year. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. Anyway, thank you. Thanks for the show. 
and uh, have a good one. Bye. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you very much. Great, great voicemail. Yeah, great voicemail. Thanks so much, Gwendolyn. That's so lucky you got to go to Halloween Horror Nights last year. And, um, you know, if you get to go this year, that's awesome. I would love to go. Um, Gosh, I don't know. I'll try to put that on my calendar if I can. But geez, geez, there's so much. Um, Thank you, Gwendolyn. That was a great voicemail. We have uh, a couple of voicemails from our good friend, Steve Brown. Hello, Remen Shaw. It's Steve, and uh, just a couple of quick notes for the Umbrella Academy episode two. And uh, I, I want to say, I know you answered my question last week about why number five uh, doesn't have a name, and that makes sense. The problem is now, though, we see that when he went forward in time, he called out for Ben and Vanya. He didn't say six and seven. So it, it, everybody else had names before. It just, it, I don't know why this point is such a big deal to me, but it really is. I'm just like, why does everybody else have a name except him? And it would appear that they did have names before he disappeared, before Ben died. So what, it just, uh, I don't know why this point is, is really just bugging me, but it is. Uh, love the scene at the <laughs> towards the end there with uh, the, the Queen song and then, of course, the devastating look at what the, the future is going to be and uh, uh klaus uh, the the stuff with klaus and number five was was hilarious and i i love the the mystery of this of uh obviously there's more to number five than what what we have going on with these these two other uh cha-cha and, and hazel <laughs> just funny names and um finally the uh um uh, Stuff with Allison, I, I like that they're giving us some of this this characterization of of them, and that we we we're seeing you know a piece of of emotion from her, and uh, so I, I really like that kind of B story of uh, her not having her daughter. And uh, is it just me, or does Leonard? Do you think Leonard is is number five at some stage in the timeline, or is he going to be somebody else? that comes uh, into play later. Talk to you later. Hi, Rima and Sean. It's Steve, and I'm not going to miss the deadline this week. I hope you're able to play my feedback for Run, Boy, Run. And uh, continuing on that same thought of number five's name, maybe he just chose not to have one. I, I don't know. But uh, I, we know there's more to his story um, than what we have here, and maybe we'll get some more of it as the season progresses, uh, hopefully. And uh, loved the line uh, as he's leaving the academy when he says, I'd ask what you're up to, Klaus. But then it occurred to me, I don't care. So uh, the jury's still out on Leonard. And uh, I laughed when Luther was trying to get into the van and he couldn't fit. And uh, so just a really good episode. Uh, Can't wait for next week's. Looks like we're going to get some of Luther's story. And uh, made this a short one since you already had another voicemail from me. Talk to you later. Dang it, Rima and Sean. How do you always pick these great shows? Like, even Lost in Space was not a miss to me. Because I literally watched Lost in Space season one the first time through all the way. Like, binge watched. That's the only show I've ever done that. Binge watched the whole season. One day, 10, 15, whatever, 
fucking how many hours it was. Anyway, Man on the Moon. Really, they, they couldn't afford to get R.E.M. for this episode? Come on. Um, poor Luther. Uh, if the whole you know team had been together, maybe he wouldn't have turned into a gigantic ape. Klaus, enough said. Um, I saw that coming with Patch, as as sad as it was. And is Pogo seriously the only reasonable one in this house? Everybody else is crazy. Um, and which brother do you think he meant when he said your brother is missing? Do you think he meant Klaus or Five? Because I think Pogo would be the one person who would notice that Klaus was missing. Um, Hazel and Cha-Cha, uh, so high that they burned down a building. Um, how does that fit in to this timeline? And uh, what is Anya? Uh, Anya. What is Vanya going to be like off her meds? Finally, before I cut off, because I'm, I'm, I know you had a bunch of voicemails for me. I suddenly think that Agnes may be Hazel's mom. Wait a minute. My mom's name is is Agnes. Was Agnes? Am I Hazel? Thank you so much, Steve, for those awesome voicemails. Of course, we love hearing from you and all of our great friends. And thank you, everyone that takes the time. Email, um, if you're leaving us some uh, feedback on Facebook, um, sending us a voicemail. We love it, and we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, everybody. All right, so next week we'll be covering the fifth episode from Netflix TV series The Umbrella Company, titled Number Five. Uh, I won't read the description for this since we're going to be doing two episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the sixth episode we'll also be covering is The Day That Wasn't. Hmm. Yeah, so check out um, both five and six episodes. We'll be um, doubling up again to cover both of those for you so we can kind of get these moving along for you guys. I think a lot of folks are kind of um, anxious to you know, uh, have these out, which we appreciate. And we hope that you appreciate that we're doing that. And we're really excited for you to join our crime fighting Academy and for mission updates, follow us on Twitter at strange T You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash stranger You can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod. You can email us at stranger at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV time app. You can find Strange Deed and a bunch of other great podcasts like House Podcastica, which I think that show's about to start back up, isn't it? Hmm. April 14th. I remembered it yes. this time. <laughs> uh, and go out and leave a review for Strange Deed and all the other great Podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcast. Yes. And speaking of great podcasts, make sure to check out Sean and his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday. Yeah, and this Sunday you'll find out what scared the crap out of me in our Airbnb, so check that out. Oh my God, I want to hear about that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well that's our show, episode 82, Extraordinary and Man on the Moon. Until next time, I'm Rima. Hey, and I'm Sean. And Mariah Alex is strange indeed.